0: The first book of the Countess of Pembroke's Arcadia, Part One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Countess of Pembroke's Arcadia by Philip Sidney. The first book, Part One. It was in the time that the earth begins to put on her new apparel against the approach of her lover, and that the sun, running a most even course, becomes an indifferent arbiter between the night and the day when the hopeless shepherd strephon was come to the sands which lie against the island of Cythera, where viewing the place with a heavy kind of delight and sometimes casting his eyes to the Isleward, he called his friendly rival the pastor Cleus unto him and setting first down in his darkened countenance a doleful copy of what he would speak o my Cleus," said he hither we are now come to pay the rent for which we are so called unto by over busy remembrance restless remembrance which claims not only this duty of us but for it will have us forget ourselves I pray you, when we were amid our flock, and that of other shepherds some were running after their sheep strayed beyond their bounds, some delighting their eyes with seeing them nibble upon the short and sweet grass, some medicining their sick ewes, some setting a bell for an ensign of a sheepish squadron, some with more leisure inventing new games of exercising their bodies and sporting their wits, did remembrance grant us any holiday, either for pastime or devotion, nay, either for necessary food or natural rest, but that still it forced our thoughts to work upon this place, where we last alas that the word last should so long last did gaze our eyes upon her ever-flourishing beauty did it not still cry within us ah you base-minded wretches have thought so deeply mired in the trade of ordinary worldlings as for respect of gain some paltry wool may yield you to let so much time pass without knowing perfectly her estate especially in so troublesome a season to leave that shore unsaluted from whence you may see to the island where she dwelleth to leave those steps unkissed wherein urania printed the farewell of all beauty well then, remembrance commanded; we obeyed, and here we find that as our remembrance came ever clothed unto us in the form of this place, so this place gives new heat to the fever of our languishing remembrance. Yonder, my Cleus, Urania lighted the very horse. Methought bewailed to be so disburdened, and as for thee, poor Cleus, yonder, my Cleus, when thou wentest to help her down, I saw reverence and desire so divide thee that thou didst at one instant both blush and quake, and instead of bearing her, wert ready to fall down thyself there she sate vouchsafing my cloak then most gorgeous under her at yonder rising of the ground she turned herself looking back toward her wonted abode and because of her parting bearing much sorrow in her eyes the lightsomeness whereof had yet so natural a cheerfulness as it made even sorrow seem to smile at that turning she spake to us all opening the cherry of her lips and lord how greedily mine ears did feed upon the sweet words she uttered and here she laid her hand over thine eyes when she saw the tears springing in them as if she would conceal them from other, and yet herself feel some of thy sorrow. But woe is me, yonder, yonder did she put her foot into the boat, at that instant, as it were, dividing her heavenly beauty between the earth and the sea. But when she was embarked, did you not mark how the winds whistled, and the seas danced for joy, how the sails did swell with pride, and all because they had Urania. O Urania, blessed be thou, Urania, the sweetest fairness and fairest sweetness. With that word, his voice brake so with sobbing that he could say no further and claus thus answered alas my strephon said he what needs this score to reckon up only our losses what doubt is there but that the sight of this place doth call our thoughts to appear at the court of affection held by that racking steward remembrance as well may sheep forget to fear when they spy wolves as we can miss such fancies when we see any place made happy by her treading who can choose that saw her but think where she stayed where she walked where she turned where she spoke but what is all this truly no more but as this place served us to think of those things so those things serve as places to call to memory more excellent matters no no let us think with consideration and consider with acknowledging and acknowledge with admiration and admire with love and love with joy in the midst of all woes let us in such sort think i say that our poor eyes were so enriched as to behold and our low hearts so exalted as to love a maid who is such that as the greatest thing the world can show is her beauty so the least thing that may be praised in her is her beauty Certainly, as her eyelids are more pleasant to behold than two white kids climbing up a fair tree and browsing on his tenderest branches, and yet are nothing compared to the day shining stars contained in them, and as her breath is more sweet than a gentle south-west wind, which comes creeping over flowery fields and shadowed waters in the extreme heat of summer, and yet is nothing compared to the honey-flowing speech that breath doth carry, no more all that our eyes can see of her, though when they have seen her, what else they shall ever see is but dry stubble after clover grass is to be matched with the flock of unspeakable virtues laid up delightfully in that blessed-builded fold. But indeed, as we can better consider the sun's beauty, by marking how he gilds these waters and mountains, than by looking upon his own face, too glorious for our weak eyes, so it may be our conceits, not able to bear her sun staining excellency, will better weigh it by her works upon some meaner subject employed. And alas, who can better witness that than we, whose experience is grounded upon feeling, Hath not the only love of her made us, being silly, ignorant shepherds, raise up our thoughts above the ordinary level of the world, so as great clerks do not disdain our conference? Hath not the desire to seem worthy in her eyes, made us, when others were sleeping, to sit viewing the course of the heavens, when others were running at base, to run over learned writings, when others mark their sheep, we to mark ourselves? Hath not she thrown reason upon our desires, and as it were, given eyes unto Cupid, hath in any but in her love-fellowship maintained friendship between rivals and beauty taught the beholder's chastity he was going on with his praises but strephon bade him stay and look and so they both perceived a thing which floated drawing nearer and nearer to the bank but rather by the favourable working of the sea than by any self-industry they doubted a while what it should be till it was cast up even hard before them at which time they fully saw that it was a man whereupon running for pity's sake unto him they found his hands as it should appear constanter friends to his life than his memory fast gripping upon the edge of a square small coffer which lay all under his breast else in himself no show of life so as the board seemed to be but a bier to carry him a land to his sepulchre so drew they up a young man of so goodly shape and well-pleasing favour that one would think death had in him a lovely countenance and that though he were naked nakedness was to him an apparel that sight increased their compassion and their compassion called up their care so that lifting his feet above his head making a great deal of salt water come out of his mouth they laid him upon some of their garments and fell to rub and chafe him till they brought him to recover both breath the servant and warmth the companion of living at length opening his eyes he gave a great groan a doleful note but a pleasant ditty for by that they found not only life but strength of life in him they therefore continued on their charitable office until his spirits being well returned he without so much as thanking them for their pains got up and looking round about to the uttermost limits of his sight and crying upon the name of pyrocles nor seeing nor hearing cause of comfort what said he and shall musidorus live after pyrocles destruction therewithal he offered wilfully to cast himself again into the sea but they ran unto him and pulling him back then too feeble for them by force stickled that unnatural fray i pray you said he honest men what such right have you in me as not to suffer me to do with myself what i list and what policy have you to bestow a benefit where it is counted an injury they hearing him speak in greek which was their natural language became the more tender-hearted towards him and considering by his calling and looking that the loss of some dear friend was great cause of his sorrow told him they were poor men that were bound by cause of humanity to prevent so great a mischief and that they wished him if opinion of somebody's perishing bred such desperate anguish in him that he should be comforted by his own proof who had lately escaped as apparent danger as any might be no no said he it is not for me to attend so high a blissfulness but since you take care of me i pray you find means that some bark may be provided that will go out of the haven that if it be possible we may find the body far far too precious food for fishes and for the higher said he i have within this casket of value sufficient to content them close presently went to a fisherman and having agreed with him and provided some apparel for the naked stranger he embarked and the shepherds with him and were no sooner gone beyond the mouth of the haven but that some way into the sea they might discern as it were a stain of the water's colour and by time some sparks and smoke mounting thereat but the young man no sooner saw it but that beating his breast he cried that there was the beginning of his ruin entreating them to bend their course as near unto it as they could telling how that smoke was but a small relic of a great fire which had driven both him and his friend rather to commit themselves to the cold mercy of the sea than to abide the hot cruelty of the fire and that therefore though they both had abandoned the ship that he was if anywhere in that course to be met withal they steered therefore as near thitherward as they could but when they came so near as their eyes were full masters of the object they saw a sight full of piteous strangeness a ship or rather the carcass of the ship or rather some few bones of the carcass hulling there part broken part burned part drowned death having used more than one dart to that destruction about it floated great store of very rich things and many chests which might promise no less and amidst the precious things were a number of dead bodies which likewise did not only testify both elements violence but that the chief violence was grown of human inhumanity for their bodies were full of grisly wounds and their blood had as it were filled the wrinkles of the sea's visage which it seemed the sea would not wash away that it might witness it is not always his fault when we do condemn his cruelty in some a defeat where the conquered kept both field and spoil a shipwreck without storm or ill footing and a waste of fire in the midst of the water but a little way off they saw the mast whose proud height now lay along like a widow having lost her mate of whom she held her honour but upon the mast they saw a young man at least if he were a man bearing show of about eighteen years of age who sat us on horseback having nothing upon him but his shirt which being wrought with blue silk and gold had a kind of resemblance to the sea on which the sun then near his western home did shoot some of his beams his hair which the young men of greece used to wear very long was stirred up and down with the wind which seemed to have a sport to play with it as the sea had to kiss his feet himself full of admirable beauty set forth by the strangeness both of his seat and gesture for holding his head up full of unmoved majesty he held a sword aloft with his fair arm which often he waved about his crown as though he would threaten the world in that extremity but the fishermen when they came so near him that it was time to throw out a rope by which hole they might draw him their simplicity bred such amazement and their amazement such superstition that as they went under sail by him they held up their hands and made their prayers which when Musidorus saw though he were almost as much ravished with joy as they with astonishment he leapt to the mariner and took the cord out of his hand and saying dost thou live and art well who answered thou canst tell best since most of my well-being stands in thee threw it out but already the ship was passed beyond pyrocles and therefore musidorus could do no more but persuade the mariners to cast about again assuring them that he was but a man although of most divine excellences and promising great rewards for their pains and now they were already come upon the stays when one of the sailors descried a galley which came with sails and oars directly in the chase of them and straight perceived it was a well-known pirate who hunted not only for goods but for bodies of men which he employed either to be his galley-slaves or to sell at the best market which when the master understood he commanded forthwith to set on all the canvas they could and fly homeward leaving in that sort poor pyrocles so near to be rescued but what did not musidorus say what did he not offer to persuade them to venture the fight but fear standing at the gates of their ears put back all persuasions so that he had nothing wherewith to accompany pyrocles but his eyes nought to succour him but his wishes therefore praying for him and casting a long look that way he saw the galley leave the pursuit of them and turn to take up the spoils of the other wreck and lastly he might well see them lift up the young man and alas said he to himself dear pyrocles shall that body of thine be enchained shall those victorious hands of thine be commanded to base offices shall virtue become a slave to those that be slaves to viciousness alas better had it been thou hadst ended nobly thy noble days what death is so evil as unworthy servitude but that opinion soon ceased when he saw the galley setting upon another ship which held long and strong fight with her for then he began afresh to fear the life of his friend and to wish well to the pirates whom before he hated lest in their ruin he might perish but the fishermen made such speed into the haven that they absented his eyes from beholding the issue where being entered he could procure neither them nor any other as then to put themselves into the sea so that being as full of sorrow for being unable to do anything as void of counsel how to do anything besides that sickness grew something upon him the honest shepherds strephon and Cleus, who being themselves true friends did the more perfectly judge the justness of his sorrow advise him that he should mitigate somewhat of his woe since he had gotten an amendment in fortune being come from assured persuasion of his death to have no cause to despair of his life as one that had lamented the death of his sheep should after know they were but strayed and would receive pleasure though readily he knew not where to find them now sir said they thus for ourselves it is we are in profession but shepherds and in this country of laconia little better than strangers and therefore neither in skill nor ability of power greatly to stead you but what we can present unto you is this arcadia of which country we are is but a little way hence and even upon the next confines so there dwelleth a gentleman by name calendar who vouchsafeth much favour unto us a man who for his hospitality is so much haunted that no news stir but come to his ears for his upright dealings so beloved of his neighbours that he hath many ever ready to do him their uttermost service and by the great good will our prince bears him may soon obtain the use of his name and credit which hath a principal away not only in his own Arcadia but in all these countries of peloponnesus and which is worth all all these things give him not so much power as his nature gives him will to benefit so that it seems no music is so sweet to his ear as deserve thanks to him we will bring you and there you may recover again your health without which you cannot be able to make any diligent search for your friend and therefore you must labour for it besides we are sure the comfort of courtesy and ease of wise counsel shall not be wanting musidorus who besides he was merely unacquainted in the country had his wits astonished with sorrow gave easy consent to that from which he saw no reason to disagree and therefore defraying the mariners with the ring bestowed upon them they took their journey together through laconia Cleus and strephon by course carrying his chest before him musidorus only bearing in his countenance evident marks of a sorrowful mind supported with a weak body which they perceiving and knowing that the violence of sorrow is not at the first to be striven with all being like a mighty beast sooner tamed with following than overthrown by withstanding they gave way unto it for that day and the next never troubling him either with asking questions or finding fault with his melancholy but rather fitting to his dollar dolorous discourses of their own and other folks misfortune which speeches though they had not a lively entrance to his senses shut up in sorrow yet like one half asleep he took hold of much of the matters spoken unto him so as a man may say ere sorrow was aware they made his thoughts bear away something else beside his own sorrow which wrought so in him that at length he grew content to mark their speeches then to marvel at such wit and shepherds after to light their company and lastly to vouchsafe conference so that the third day after in the time that the morning did strew roses and violets in the heavenly floor against the coming of the sun the nightingales striving one with the other which could in most dainty variety recount their wrong-caused sorrow made them put off their sleep and rising from under a tree which that night had been their pavilion they went on their journey which by and by welcomed musidora's eyes with delightful prospects there were hills which garnished their proud heights with stately trees humble valleys whose base estates seemed comforted with the refreshing of silver rivers, meadows enameled with all sorts of eye-pleasing flowers, thickets which being lined with most pleasant shade were witnessed so too by the cheerful disposition of many well-tuned birds, each pasture stored with sheep feeding with sober security, while the pretty lambs with bleating oratory craved the dam's comfort, here a shepherd's boy piping as though he should never be old, there a young shepherdess knitting and withal singing, and it seemed that her voice comforted her hands to work, and her hands kept time to her voice music. As for the houses of the country, for many houses came under their eye, they were all scattered, no two being one by the other, and yet not so far off as that it barred mutual succour, a show, as it were, of an accompanable solitariness and of a civil wildness. I pray you, said Musidorus, then first unsealing his long silent lips, what countries be these we pass through, which are so diverse in show, the one wanting no store, the other having no store but of want? The country, answered Cleus, where you were cast ashore, and now are passed through, is Laconia not so poor by the barrenness of the soil though in itself not passing fertile as by a civil war which being these two years within the bowels of that estate between the gentlemen and the peasants by them named helots hath in this sort as it were disfigured the face of nature and made it so unhospitable as now you have found it the towns neither of the one side nor the other willingly opening their gates to strangers nor strangers willingly entering for fear of being mistaken but this country where now you set your foot is arcadia and even hard by is the house of calendar whither we lead you. This country being thus decked with peace, and the child of peace good husbandry, these houses you see so scattered are of men, as we two are, that live upon the commodity of their sheep, and therefore, in the division of the Arcadian estate, are termed shepherds, a happy people, wanting little, because they desire not much. What cause, then, said Musidorus, made you leave this sweet life, and put yourself in yonder unpleasant and dangerous realm? guarded with poverty answered strephon and guided with love but now said Cleus, since it hath pleased you to ask anything of us whose baseness is such as the very knowledge is darkness give us leave to know something of you and of the young man you so much lament that at least we may be the better instructor to inform calender and he the better know how to proportion his entertainment musidorus according to the agreement between pyrocles and him to alter their names answered that he called himself palladius and his friend Deiphantus but till i have him again said he i am indeed nothing and therefore my story is of nothing his entertainments, since so good a man he is cannot be so low as i account my estate and in sum the sum of all his courtesy may be to help me by some means to seek my friend they perceived he was not willing to open himself further and therefore without further questioning brought him to the house about which they might see with fit consideration both of the air the prospect and the nature of the ground all such necessary additions to a great house as might well show calendar new that provision is the foundation of hospitality and thrift the fuel of magnificence the house itself is built of fair and strong stone not affecting so much any extraordinary kind of fineness as an honourable representing of a firm stateliness the lights doors and stairs rather directed to the use of the guest than to the eye of the artificer and yet as the one chiefly heeded so the other not neglected each place handsome without curiosity and homely without loathsomeness not so dainty as not to be trod on, nor yet slubbered up with good fellowship, all more lasting than beautiful, but that the consideration of the exceeding lastingness made the eye believe it was exceeding beautiful. The servants, not so many in number, as cleanly in apparel, and serviceable in behaviour, testifying even in their countenances, that their master took as well care to be served, as of them that did serve. One of them was forthwith ready to welcome the shepherds, as men who, though they were poor, their master greatly favoured, and understanding by them that the young man with them was to be much accounted of for that they had seen tokens of more than common greatness howsoever now eclipsed with fortune he ran to his master who came presently forth and pleasantly welcoming the shepherds but especially applying him to musidorus strephon privately told him all what he knew of him and particularly that he found this stranger was loth to be known no said calendar speaking aloud i am no herald to inquire of men's pedigrees it sufficeth me if i know their virtues which if this young man's face be not a false witness do better apparel his mind than you have done his body. While he was thus speaking, there came a boy, in show like a merchant's prentice, who, taking Strephon by the sleeve, delivered him a letter, written jointly both to him and Cleus from Urania, which they no sooner had read, but that with short leave-taking of calendar, who quickly guessed and smiled at the matter, and once again, though hastily recommending the young man unto him, they went away, leaving Musidorus even loath to part with them, for the good conversation he had of them, and obligation he accounted himself tied in unto them and therefore they delivering his chest unto him he opened it and would have presented them with two very rich jewels but they absolutely refused them telling him that they were more than enough rewarded in the knowing of him and without hearkening unto a reply like men whose hearts disdained all desires but one gat speedily away as if the letter had brought wings to make them fly but by that sight Callander soon judged that his guest was of no mean calling and therefore the more respectfully entertaining him musidorus found his sickness which the fight the sea and late travel had laid upon him grow greatly so that fearing some sudden accident he delivered the chest to kalander which was full of most precious stones gorgeously and cunningly set in divers manners desiring him he would keep those trifles and if he died he would bestow so much as was needful to find out and redeem a young man naming himself deophantus as then in the hands of laconian pirates but kalander seeing him faint more and more with careful speed conveyed him to the most commodious lodging in his house where being possessed with an extreme burning fever he continued some while with no great hope of life but youth at length got the victory of sickness so that in six weeks the excellency of his returned beauty was a credible ambassador of his health to the great joy of Callender, who as in this time he had by certain friends of his that dwelt near the sea in messenia set forth a ship and a galley to seek and succour deiphantus so at home did he omit nothing which he thought might either profit or gratify palladius for having found in him besides his bodily gifts beyond the degree of admiration by daily discourses which he delighted himself to have with him a mind of a most excellent composition a piercing wit quite void of ostentation high erected thoughts seated in a heart of courtesy an eloquence as sweet in the uttering as slow to come to the uttering a behaviour so noble as gave a majesty to adversity and all in a man whose age could not be above one in twenty years the good old man was even enamoured with a fatherly love towards him or rather became his servant by the bond such virtue laid upon him once he acknowledged himself so to be by the badge of diligent attendance but palladius having gotten his health and only staying there to be in place where he might hear answer of the ships set forth calendar one afternoon led him abroad to a well-arrayed ground he had behind his house which he thought to show him before his going as the place himself more than in any other delighted the backside of the house was neither field garden nor orchard or rather it was both field garden and orchard for as soon as the descending of the stairs had delivered them down they came into a place cunningly set with trees of the most taste-pleasing fruits but scarcely they had taken that into their consideration but that they were suddenly stepped into a delicate green of each side of the green a thicket and behind the thickets again new beds of flowers which being under the trees the trees were to them a pavilion and they to the trees a mosaical floor so that a team art therein would needs be delightful by counterfeiting error and making order in confusion hence palladius was led towards a fair pond whose shaking crystal was a perfect mirror to all other beauties and near it was a fine fountain made thus a figure of a naked venus of white marble wherein the graver had used such cunning that the natural blue veins of the marble were framed in fit places to set forth the beautiful veins of her body at her breast was her babe aeneas who seemed having begun to suck to leave that to look upon her fair eyes which smiled at the babe's folly meanwhile the breast running hard by was a house of pleasure adorned with delightful pictures which calendar described and then sometimes casting his eyes to the pictures thus spake this country arcadia among all the provinces of greece hath ever been had in singular reputation partly for the sweetness of the air and other natural benefits but principally for the well-tempered minds of the people who finding that the shining title of glory so much affected by other nations doth indeed help little to the happiness of life are the only people which as by their justice and providence give neither cause nor hope to their neighbours to annoy them so are they not stirred with false praise to trouble others quiet thinking it a small reward for the wasting of their own lives in ravening that their posterity should long after say they had done so even the muses seem to approve their good determination by choosing this country for their chief repairing place and by bestowing their perfection so largely here that the very shepherds have their fancies lifted to so high conceits as the learned of other nations are content both to borrow their names and imitate their cunning here dwelleth and reigneth this prince whose picture you see by name basilius a prince of sufficient skill to govern so quiet a country, where the good minds of the former princes had set down good laws, and the well-bringing up of the people doth serve as a most sure bond to hold them. He, being already well stricken in years, married a young princess named Gynecia, daughter to the king of Cyprus, of notable beauty, as by her picture you see, a woman of great wit, and in truth of more princely virtues than her husband, of most unspotted chastity, but of so working a mind and so vehement spirits, as a man may say it was happy she took a good course, for otherwise it would have been terrible of these two are brought to the world two daughters so beyond measure excellent in all the gifts allotted to reasonable creatures that we may think they were born to show that nature is no stepmother to that sex how much service some men sharp-witted only in evil speaking have sought to disgrace them the eldest named pamela by many men not deemed inferior to her sister for my part when i marked them both methought there was if at least such perfections may receive the word of more more sweetness in philoclea but more majesty in pamela methought love played in philoclea's eyes and threatened in Pamela's, methought Philoclea's beauty only persuaded, but so persuaded as all hearts must yield. Pamela's beauty used violence, and such violence as no heart could resist. And it seems that such proportion is between their minds. Philoclea so bashful as though her excellencies had stolen into her before she was aware, so humble that she will put all pride out of countenance. In some, such proceeding as will stir hope, but teach hope good manners. Pamela of high thoughts who avoid not pride with not knowing her excellences but by making that one of her excellences to be void of pride her mother's wisdom greatness nobility but if i can guess aright knit with a more constant temper now then our basilius being so publicly happy as to be a prince and so happy in that happiness as to be a beloved prince and so in his private blessed as to have so excellent a wife and so over excellent children hath of late taken a course which yet makes him more spoken of than all these blessings by having made a journey to delphos and safely returned within short space he break up his court and retired himself his wife and children into a certain forest hereby which he calleth his desert wherein besides an house appointed for stables and lodgings for certain persons of mean calling who do all household services he hath builded two fine lodges in the one of them himself remains with his younger daughter Philoclea, which was the cause they three were matched together in this picture without having any other creature living in that lodge with him which though it be strange yet not so strange as the course he has taken with the princess pamela whom he hath placed in the other lodge but how think you accompanied truly with none other but one dametas the most arrant doltish clown that i think ever was without the privilege of a bauble with his wife miso and daughter mopsa in whom no wit can devise anything wherein they may pleasure her but to exercise her patience and to serve for a foil of her perfections this loutish clown is such that you never saw so ill-favoured visor. his behaviour such that he is beyond the degree of ridiculous and for his apparel even as i would wish him me so, his wife so handsome a beldame that only her face and her splay foot have made her accuse for a witch only one good point she hath that she observes decorum having a froward mind in a wretched body between these two personages who never agreed in any humour but in disagreeing is issued forth mistress mopsa a fit woman to participate of both their perfections this Demetus, the prince finds while hunting and like other princes whose doings have been often smooth with good success thinking nothing so absurd that they cannot make honourable with him when the flattering courtiers had no sooner taken the prince's mind than Demetrius's silence grew wit bluntness integrity his beastly ignorance virtuous simplicity and the prince according to the nature of great persons in love with that he had done himself fancied that his weakness with his presence would much be mended and so like a creature of his own making he liked him more and more and thus having first given him the office of principal herdsman and lastly since he took this strange determination he hath in a manner put the life of himself and his children into his hands which authority like too great a sail for so small a boat doth so oversway poor demetrius that if before he were a good fool in a chamber he might be allowed it now in a comedy so as i doubt me i fear me indeed my master will in the end with his cost find that his office is not to make men but to use men as men are no more than a horse will be taught to hunt or an ass to manage thus much now that i have told you is nothing more than in effect any arcadian knows but what moved him to this strange solitariness hath been imparted as i think but to one person living myself can conjecture and indeed more than conjecture by this accident that i will tell you i have an only son by name cleitophon who is now absent preparing for his own marriage which i mean shortly shall be here celebrated this son of mine while the prince kept his court was of his bedchamber. now since the breaking up thereof returned home and showed me among other things he had gathered the copy which he had taken of a letter which when the prince had read he had laid in a window presuming nobody durst look in his writings but my son not only took a time to read it but to copy it in truth, I blamed Clytophon for the curiosity which made him break his duty in such a kind, whereby king's secrets are subject to be revealed. But since it was done, I was content to take so much profit as to know it. End of Book One, Part One.